And I made the statement at the end of my class I probably would be coming back and teaching some more on this. And that's what I felt today as I was studying to continue. Early this morning, I got up and started looking at what I was going to do for tonight. And I, I just felt to keep going in this area. I taught last Sunday morning. And some of you didn't hear it because you were in Sunday school or youth class. And so I'm talking to you about seeking God's heart. Seeking God's heart. This is lesson number two on that. First Samuel 13, 13. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now, because you didn't do that, now the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. According to this passage of Scripture, it almost looks like to me that God can disapprove of someone not doing His will. I'm not an advocate of once saved, always saved, that once you get the Holy Ghost or get born again, that you can't backslide. I believe you can backslide. I believe you can fall out with God. I think you can get a bad spirit. <laughs> I think you can get a bad attitude. I think you can just walk down the wrong path, get off into something you shouldn't be doing, and God doesn't like it. God made it very plain in, in the Word of God that there are some things that He hates and detests. There's some things God's not pleased with. I'm I am convinced that if I'm not pleasing, I'm not pleasing to God, I'm probably not going to go to heaven. Now it doesn't mean if you ever displease him that you're totally lost. But if you're living a life that's displeasing to God, you're probably not going to go in a rapture. So, if anybody feels that way tonight, come on, get down to the altar and pray through. And uh, don't, don't live a life that's displeasing to God. If I say, I want to please God, turn to somebody and say, you need to please God. <clears throat> I want somebody to be helped tonight. I want this Bible study to be a blessing. I know you're tired. Some of you, I see it on your face. I know you're weary. And uh, man, I'm just going to make you feel so much better that that's going to leave your face here in a minute. You're going to light up like a candle. The joy of the Lord's going to start flowing and you're going to be smiling like Yaya smiling over there. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> Okay, there's my clock. I wanted to look at it. The Bible speaks of the human heart almost 300 times 
not so much about the vital blood pumping muscle that you and I have in our chest, but it used a as a parallel for the spiritual side of humanity. The Bible tells us the heart is connected to the mind, the will, and the understanding, and even tells us that the heart should be guarded. Now, I hope that y'all don't come to church and holding a shotgun in front of you and somebody says, what are you doing? And say, I'm guarding my heart. That's not what he's talking about. So don't, don't bring your shotguns to church to guard your heart. You can do it uh, in a spiritual realm. You can take care of that in a different way. Jeremiah said, a man's heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And he asked a question, who can understand it? Sin has permanently affected the hearts of human beings. However, God knows the secrets of the heart. In Psalms 44, 21, he searches the heart. Jeremiah 17 and 10, he gives a proper solution for the sinful heart and the demands we turn from ourselves serving God with a whole heart and a willing mind, according to 1 Corinthians or Chronicles 28.9. The Hebrew word heart speaks of the inner man, his mind and his thoughts. The sinful heart, one without God, purposely devises wicked plans and is against the things that God is for. I prayed tonight, God help me to love the things you love and hate the things that you hate. And so our heart sometimes devises wicked plans as all six things in Proverbs chapter 6 that God hates comes from the heart. A wicked heart, a heart that devises wicked plans comes from the heart, fulfilling its own path, pleasing oneself, fulfilling one's own desires. And Proverbs 19 says, this kind of heart rages against the Lord and leads a person into ruin. All of that comes from the heart. Not your blood pump, but that inner being, that person that you and I are. And God's heart is not like a human heart. It's not like our thinking. His actions and his thoughts are not like us. And that's what I'm teaching tonight, that we ought to be desiring and searching and looking for some way that we can develop a heart that is more like God's heart. God's heart is a loving heart. And tonight I want to share with you what I believe 
to be the deepest place in God's heart. We serve a God of deep emotion. God is an emotional God of incredible passion. And he has intense feeling. God is not a calm God. A lot of people want to picture him as being that way. And when things are good, God is calm. But God can get upset. I've seen examples uh, in the word of God where the Lord got upset. And he com committed uh, premeditated anger. <laughs> the Bible says he, uh, I don't know what the word used, built, constructed, uh, I don't remember the exact word, but he constructed a whip. Now, I don't believe the Lord just said, you know, today I'm going to build a whip. And said, you know, I'm, this is the day that I'll build a whip. You know. He premeditated. He had a motive for building that whip, for constructing it. While he was planning Whatever it was he used, I assume leather, huh? probably leather, might have been some horse hair, I don't know. He constructed a whip, premeditated in his mind, I'm going to use that to get some attention. I'm going to go in to my temple, and friend, he went in knocking over tables you thought you were the ones that first found out about Kung Fu Hu Wu. He went in kicking things. Yeah. I mean, he was. It sounded like Ricochet Rabbit. He went in that place upset and angry. I'm talking about the same one that gave me the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the same one that forgave me of my sins. That same loving God that when I pray, he hears me. And when I need him, he's there for me. But I'm also telling you, he's a whip popper if he needs to be. He can work things uh, to our benefit or not to be beneficial for us if the conditions uh, get him aggravated at us. Now I'm not. I'm not teaching that God's a mean, angry God. I'm just telling you that He can get an attitude towards sin. We serve a God of deep emotion. I said intense feeling. God is not a calm God. Rationally considering all points of view and then mediating and building consensus among the major stockholders, getting everybody to come his way, you know, uh, working to try to get everybody on his side. God reacts. He gets intense. He shows his feelings and his heart. And what I believe is in the deepest place of God's heart is an intense, burning, passionate love 
for people. God loves people. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. All people everywhere across this world from Africa to China to South America to the pew next to you to the neighbor down the street. Why do I believe this? What is, it's because deep down in God's heart, we find that the entire story of human history can be summed up in this. God created, but man rejected. So why did God create, and why, after being rejected, did God continue to walk with humanity, continue to reveal himself, and even go to extreme lengths, it was because of the love in his heart for humanity. I thank the Lord that he loved me when I was a brat. I don't know, you may have never been a brat, but I've been one. I've acted up, I've showed out, I've done things I shouldn't do. And if y'all want to have a vote of confidence, I'm sorry you can't. Whenever I read of God displaying intense emotion in the Bible, it is in the terms of his relationship with us. The deepest passion in the heart of God is a love for people who don't even know him. God loves us even though we don't recognize him. People that have never recognized God don't know him, don't, do not understand him. They're not familiar with God at all, but God still loves them. If he loves someone that will not recognize him, does not feel him, and know hardly anything about him, don't you think he might love you? Don't you think that he might love you because you do love him, you do serve him, you do worship him, you do come frequently to his house. You come and give yourself to him, and I'm here to declare to you, yes, God does love you tonight. Why do I believe this? Because Jesus told us the story about the shepherd leaving 99 unprotected sheep to seek that one sheep that was lost. He left all the sheep unprotected because he had one that he couldn't find. And he left and went looking for that one. I'm telling you, folks, God will go to any length to get your attention, to let you feel his love, and bring you into the kingdom of God. And you've got to believe that. Or when you pray, you will not be effective in your prayer. You've got to believe that. You are having faith that God can and will. When you pray, or you're not going to be effective. You're not going to get much happening. Jesus spent his life among sinners. 
He identified with them. He socialized with them. He healed them. He taught them. He recruited them to be his disciples. And ultimately, he even died for them. Many of them. The woman at the well was one. These ignorant pop-ups that start coming into you. I hate those things. Thank you. Get out of there. I guess when you get on Google, you have to, I accept that this will pop up, and I, I have to accept it because I need Google. But, boy, I hate that mess. If any of you gurus can help me stop that mess, tell me how. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, Simon the Zealot, the blind man, that was born blind, the ten lepers, and on and on and on throughout the Word of God, you can see God doing the miraculous of healing and delivering. It even makes logical sense. Of course, God loves us and is involved in our lives and cares for us. So here is where I have to ask the difficult question. Do the priorities of my life line up with the things that are most important to God? Do our priorities as a church line up to the passionate heart of God for the people that come into our church and those that are seeking a relationship with Him. I'm telling you folks, the Lord called us for more than just for my benefit and your personal benefit to be into the kingdom of God. God called us. He reached out to us, and he found us, and he gave us what he gave us so that we would be effective in doing what he was doing. He was loving people. He was saving them. He was reaching out for them. He was caring for them. And honey, we've got to have the heart of God. We've got to start searching and seeking in order to have the kind of heart that God had. Messing up comes natural to us humans, doesn't it? Sometimes some of us mess up worse than others. Sometimes you mess up and it's no big deal. You cry a few tears and you get back on track. Some people mess up and it's life changing. One woman in Michigan was convicted of embezzling more than $10,000 from her employer. Boy, it's a sad thing when Pentecostals get in trouble on the job. <laughs> Please don't embarrass me. Don't let me get a phone call and say, are you Reverend Gandy? We got one of your members down here in jail. They need to you to come down here. Don't do me that way. Be honest. Don't steal from your employer. Don't lie. Don't get yourself in trouble. But this woman embezzled $10,000 and during her sentencing, she admitted, I have shamed myself and my family. But by the grace of God, she said, that company didn't file charges on her. They forgave her of that debt. 
But she said, it will take me a long time to forgive myself. And I know the people will never look at me again the same way. And I'm very sorry about that. It's sad to see people who have made life-altering mistakes. And sometimes it's hard to forgive ourselves when we're the ones that have made the mistake. Left to ourselves, we're a constant source of shame and sorrow to ourselves and to other peoples. And that's why we preach it and teach it. That's why youth pastor preaches it and teaches it to those young people. That's why half and leader preaches it and teaches it. That's why we have Sunday school to preach it and teach it to our kids. That's why we have church services and Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday school and adult class. We're trying to teach that it is always the will of God to do right. It's the will of God to have a right spirit and a right heart and right motives in your life. It'll keep you out of trouble. Can somebody say thank God for that? How many of you like to stay out of trouble? Most everybody don't like trouble. Nobody likes trouble. I just never have liked trouble. I don't like to get in trouble. I didn't like it when my mama and my daddy had to warm up the backside of my lap because I got in trouble. I didn't like it when I did something wrong and I knew that I could get in trouble. I didn't like the possibility of getting restrictions on my life. But I knew that it would happen because I was taught the principles of right and wrong in my life. And friend, that makes all the difference in the world when you're seeking God's heart. Right and wrong is is. Very important. Doing right is always right. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear that. That was pretty profound. Thank you, Brother Tom, for clapping. I wish somebody else had. You know, I spent a lot of time. Spent a lot of time. <laughs> spent a lot of time coming up with that deep thought there. It's always right to do right. Are you ready for another one? It's always wrong to do wrong. Boy, aren't y'all glad? I know Brother Littlefield's taking notes right now. He's getting ready to do a Bible study, and he's going to go in there and act like he came up with that. I can just see it right now. He watches us all the time. I know he does because he tells me. He really does. I think it's to get good thoughts. He'll probably hear me say that and make mention. That's okay. Seek God's heart because we have a forgiving God who will restore us if, if I say if, we confess our sins and ask forgiveness. Now, a lot of people have never learned the beauty of that. Because they say, oh, God knows everything. He knows the intents of my heart. He knows my thoughts. He knows all that. Why say it? He already knows it. Well, yeah, he does. 
He even knows, Brother Cruz, how many hairs you got in that thick, ungodly head of hair. Makes me want to throw up. Spirit of jealousy gets on me. Yeah. God knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows all that stuff. He knows what you did yesterday and what you're fixing to do tomorrow. And when we mess up, God wants us to acknowledge it and ask forgiveness. That's called love. Because if we do that, the Bible tells us he is faithful to forgive us of our sins. That means when you do something wrong, take a break. You don't have to get down on your knees and cry. It's good when you do that. I'm not knocking that. We need to do that some more than others. But you don't always have to get down on your knees and squall and bawl to get forgiveness. Y'all ready for a good lesson? All right. God, I'm sorry. I talked about Brother Cruz today. His old stinking black hair, thick black hair, just made me sick, made me mad, made me jealous. And God, I shouldn't have felt that way. Would you forgive me for thinking and saying anything about that man and his hair? Now, I know, I, I, I know that was humorous the way I did it. I heard some of you giggling. But that's how simple it is. That's how simple it is. I did not have to. Oh, God. Please, please, oh God, please, if it's possible, would you please forgive me for saying that about Cruz's hair? I didn't have to do that. God's not deaf. Some people think he is. They, they think you got to scream to get God to hear. Some think God has, you have to get his attention. They got to beat on stuff. I've, I've gone into prayer rooms. I couldn't even pray. Guys were beating on the wall. I've had them to stomp, just sat there and stomp and just keep on. I'm, I'm wanting to pray, but I'm hearing boom, 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 boom. You don't have to do that to get God's attention. Now, I'm not telling you don't be emotional and all that, but think about what you're doing, you know. I can get God's attention by saying, Lord, I love you. He just heard me. I didn't have to jump and scream and kick and buck and beat the wall. Why are y'all laughing so much? What did I say? Okay. I know my wife, sometimes she laughs at me because I say things and don't even know I said it. So maybe she'll tell me what I said. We can forgive ourselves only because he washes away our sins and makes us holy in his sight. He can clean up what we mess up. He can clean it up. In him, 
We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1, 7. A college man walked into a photography studio with a picture of his girlfriend. And he wanted the picture duplicated. The owner of the store noticed the inscription on the back of the picture. It said, My dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. And it was signed, Diane. And it contained a P.S. And that P.S. says, if we ever break up, I want this picture back. <laughs> this is like a lot of people are that live for God, who tell God, I love you so much, God. I will always serve you. I want to go to heaven. But if I ever backslide, Lord, just let me go back to the world. Let me do what I want to do. I guess this old boy realized that one of them had messed up, probably him. And so he was going to give her a picture back, but he wanted a copy of it. She must have been really good looking. Fanny Crosby was a great songwriter, perhaps one of the very best. She wrote over 8,000 songs. Say that with me, 8,000 thousand songs anybody wrote a song anybody here wrote two songs in your life two you wrote two songs anybody wrote five songs in life all right nobody wrote she wrote eight thousand we still sing some of her songs in our churches today Anybody ever heard of Blessed Assurance? Jesus is mine. Anybody ever heard To God Be the Glory? Many, many songs that we sing in our church today. I got to turn my volume off because I just got a rain alert. Many of those songs that we sing in church came from this woman. What some of us don't know or remember is that Miss Crosby, at six weeks of age, developed an inflammation in her eyes. They took her to a doctor for treatment, and this doctor treated her, but he used the wrong medicine on her eyes. And because of his mistake, she became totally and permanently blind for the rest of her life. This is a woman that wrote 8,000 songs after she became blind. In an interview years later, Fanny Crosby said she held no bitterness whatsoever against that doctor. What great forgiveness this woman had. And I'm going to tell you something. God's heart is a, is a forgiven heart. And if I'm going to seek God's heart, I'm probably going to need to be a 
forgiving person myself. God wants us to never harbor things in our lives. I have determined through study, through many years of being in the ministry and preaching, that through my studies, I've found out people that hold things in their heart are really the main person and sometimes the only person that's really suffering or hurting because they won't let it go. Seek God's heart and you will be led in the serving other people. Every television ad people see, every commercial on the radio we hear, every newspaper ad or billboard we read tells us this life, what it's all about. And too often that's the attitude from these media that we condition for our lives. It's the way we approach restaurants that we eat in, stores we shop, the services that we pay for and the people we spend our time with. Life is more hectic and more demanding and more difficult than it's ever been. And you just deserve to have all your needs and expectations met, according to media. And then we come to church and we hear a completely different message. For Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus gave us a radically different example. Jesus didn't come to live for himself and expect other people to meet his needs and do his bidding and to wait on him. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus, the king of all kings of the universe, the savior of the world, intentionally chose to become a servant. Serving goes to the next or to the very heart of Jesus Christ. You can't get to know and understand Jesus until you first understand that at the heart, Jesus came to serve other people. His service went all the way to the cross, and he called those around him to become servants with him. To every time, so every time we serve, it connects us to the heart of God. So what I'm saying, if we're going to seek God's heart, we're also going to have to become servants. Jesus reminded the disciples that the very thing that they should be doing when he comes back is serving. Jesus didn't say, when I come back, I want to catch you hunting and fishing. I want to catch you on the golf course or watching TV or in the garden or knitting. No, he said, when I come back, 
I want to see you serving. In other words, when Jesus comes back, he wants to find servants who have given their hearts to live out God's purpose and to serve the needs of others. This idea of servanthood may be the most difficult thing for us to understand in our culture today. Servanthood requires a mental shift, a change in your attitude, and a change in your heart. God is always more interested in why we do something than in what we actually do. Attitudes count more than our achievements. We're not simply looking for folks to fill positions, but God is looking for people who are willing to fulfill their God-given purpose and, 